You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Good morning, everybody. I think um, I'm going to start off and share my screen and... um, show you guys my photos first if i can go here can you guys see these they're kind of dark oh okay um so let's see if i can go back this first one that first photo um that's a family photo oh trying to pause the speed on here sorry so these are just they're going pretty quickly but um the ones in the beginning were my younger years where I was really probably, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop the share. That went a lot faster than I thought it was going to (laughs) go. Um, so in, in my younger, let me just close. So Jenny compulsive overeater. Um, I came into the rooms in 2010, uh, suffering, um, heavily from bulimia and compulsive overeating and body dysmorphia. And, um, I came in really with this knowing that if I didn't get help, I was going to die. Um, my disease had progressed, the bulimia had progressed to a point that, um, my purges were so intense that I could feel like pressure in my, in my brain. Um, and, I was really afraid uh, to abandon my children, to be honest. Uh, so that was what brought me into the rooms. And I've I've shared in this meeting a couple of times, and I think I spent a lot of time in that place and kind of going over um, how much pain I was in. And I wanted to just say that and drop that in is part of my share. Um, you know, I started very young and so spent the majority of my life in, in some serious pain around food and my relationship to food and my body. And, um, but I was thinking a lot about what I really wanted to share today. And I think that most of us, even if we've had long stretches of recovery, how insidious this disease is. And, um, I really actually want to focus more on the solution today. And so, you know, just to recap quickly, what brought me in was this fear that I was going to die and abandon my children, but I didn't stay. I came to two meetings and I knew, I knew that I was going to find recovery here. I'd heard amazing things. I think I had this assumption that if I went into OA, I would come into a room of very overweight people that were just kind of commiserating and actually normal sized bodies 
that were having were really happy and sane and all of the, I could see the promises being fulfilled through these people. And I knew that that's what I wanted. And I knew that it was actually possible after listening to some of their stories. And I still wasn't quite ready. I actually, um, I had to have, uh, an encounter with shame and humility for me. So that, that was a tooth broke in my mouth. And, um, when I went into my dentist who was local for me and knew me and knew that I owned a business in the same town. Um, he asked me if I was grinding my teeth and I, I didn't think that I was. So I said, no, the truth is I actually was grinding my teeth, but this is one of the things I, I think is, um, actually really great to mention about this because this is the way that our higher power works in our lives that we're not aware of at the time. I wasn't aware that I was grinding my teeth or clenching. And when he asked me that and I said, no, and he looked at me like with this look and my assumption was that he knew that I was bulimic, that he knew that I had no more enamel left on my teeth. And fast forward all like how, you know, 12 years later or 10 years later, I actually broke another tooth in my mouth and I had not been, I hadn't purge binged or purged in over 10 years. And I went to the dentist and it, he actually did tell me, you do clench your teeth, you do grind. And I was like, oh, and I thought about that and went, I probably was also doing the same thing. But at the time it was exactly what I needed that human being so humiliated that another person knew that I was bulimic is, is actually what brought me back got me to get a sponsor. It was a humiliation, but it was also the recognition that that damage that I felt and was holding inside showed up in my outer world, right? Like I actually broke a tooth and I couldn't deny that. So, but I just thought that that was really funny that that looking back on that, it actually probably wasn't the bulimia that ruined my teeth. It was actually clenching, but it was what I needed to make the commitment to get a sponsor and to start changing so when i heard, um, <laughs> when i first found my sponsor uh, i found oa90 which um for those of you that are familiar it is similar to how um it was no sugar no flour three meals a day no snacks in between and um you know i wasn't sure i was gonna be able to do it but i was so willing to not be bulimic and to not suffer in the way that I had suffered. And um, what I found was it blew up all of my stories that I've ever told myself about food, about my body. You know, I really had convinced myself that I would never get smaller than a size 12. Like I was just big boned, you know? And, uh, you know, I used to work out like a crazy person. Seriously, I would run in the height of my disease. This is right before I broke my tooth, but it, really at the height of my disease. I was running five miles three times a week. I was spinning and then working out with a trainer on the same day. And during that time, I gained a pound. And I thought, I remember leaving the gym thinking, why is this never enough? I'm. It's never enough. And th there was a light bulb that went on in me that that was probably a core pattern that I was running, that no matter what I did, it was never enough. And... You know, so my first sponsor, I was kind of trying to 
finagle my food plan and say to her like, well, what if I work out? I'm going to need more food than this. This is, <laughs> she was like, I would recommend maybe don't work out right now. Just go for walks or work out for fun. And I, it was almost like my brain went on tilt, like who works out for fun, you know? And so, but in a way <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing because, um, it gave me permission to stop harassing myself actually about exercise, which had been one of my major patterns and, um, and really just focus on my food plan. And again, what happened and, and what I love about this part of my story is that it's something that I can share with people in program, but also people outside of program that when they say that all I need to do is exercise and this weight will come off, um, I can kind of be like, uh, you know, here's, here's something that I can share with you, which was, um, you know, I, re I released 52 pounds in eight months without any exercise. You know, it was just following my food plan in a committed way. It was not having, you know, this is my food plan and I'm going to do a little bit more of this or a little, you know, that's not what my abstinence was. My abstinence was, this is your plan, follow your plan. And when I did what I was told and I followed my plan, I released 52 pounds. And that was a miracle to me. It, it blew my mind and it wasn't hard. I wasn't ever hungry. Um, I had a full, uh, chemical reset in my body at that time I was 35 and, um, my hormones reset. Like I had been haunted by PMS. I mean, I really, in my twenties, um, there was a commercial that had come on about PMDD, which was like severe PMS, you know, when you basically have a, it's like having another personality. And I identified with that. I was really sane, you know, semi, I mean, I was bulimic and had a eating disorder. So somehow I was able to put that in a box, but I otherwise was kind of a happy, loving person outside of that. But then I would get around my cycle and I was insane. I would rage. I'd go, I mean, I, you know, it's crazy when I stopped eating sugar and flour that went away. It was like a miracle. My whole body and system and mind, it just, there were so many things that righted themselves through just being willing to follow a food plan and listen to someone who had experience in something that I had not been able to figure out. So there was so much amazing things that happened in that time for me. Um, you know, little things like being able to fold my laundry and put it away seemed, um, you know, that, that used to just be daunting and, you know, I would have anxiety about it and I couldn't do it. And all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, that's actually not a big deal. I can put that away. Um, so many things just righted themselves. And there was so much, um, I had a lot of epiphanies. So this first, this was like 2010 to 2014, um, really just for the first time in my life, I experienced grace and ease and, um, and just so again, so many of my stories just blew up. Um, I, I remember when I did actually get smaller than a size 10 thinking, oh, well, this will never last. And, I got in between a size six and eight and decided that I actually, a size eight is where my body really likes to be and have maintained that. I was able to maintain that up until I came back into 
um, up until about 2021 is when I started. And so I lost a sponsor in 2014. And this is where, you know, I wanted to talk about how kind of baffling this, this disease is because, you know, I had been to so many meetings. I've had been reading in the big book solidly for four years. I felt like I agreed with what I was reading that, um, I knew that I was a compulsive overeater and I knew that this was one day at a time. I knew I had to keep coming back. And when I lost my sponsor, I had this feeling that, you know, I think I get the the basic tenets of this and that I can do this on my own. And I decided not to find another sponsor that I would just try this on my own. And it um, initially went good. And I think at the, at the time, my major decision was to focus on spirituality. I was going to focus on having a spiritual program. I've always been a spiritual person, um, very spiritual by nature. And so I felt like I had enough of program kind of working within me and that I knew that my focus, that the problem was spiritual. And um, I really felt like I had that and it was solid. And so um, I set out on my own and things are okay for a while. They really, they were okay for a while. Um, I noticed probably around 2017, I started to um, do some funny things with food. So from 2014 to 2017, I really did actually follow my food plan. From 2017 to 2021, um, I did all kinds of wild things. I tried keto, I tried intermittent fasting, and I was having epiphanies like, oh, intermittent fasting is kind of built into my food plan because, you know, I eat, my meals were four to six hours apart. So I was at least getting 12 hours in between if I was following it correctly. And so I was having these epiphanies about why the food plan was sane and it was, you know, a good food plan, but also, you know, wanted to try, you know, these different things. And every time I tried something, it, it didn't end well. It was like, I either was exhausted or I was hungry or, um, I didn't feel good. I wasn't like my bowel movement the same. It was just kind of not, um, a good experience. And so I would talk to my food plan, but it was like, I still wanted to experiment. I still wanted something else to be the solution. I wanted to be able to try something else. And when we went into, and also from 2017 to 2021, I really was at this place in work and in my marriage and where I started to also notice that I had lost some emotional sobriety where I was starting to blame others again for how I was feeling. And I would catch it and I would think, I would think, you know, I thought I was doing my work and then taking responsibility, but in truth, um, I really wasn't, I was still, so, you know, through that time and up until basically when we went into shelter in place, it hit the fast forward button on all of that. And it really spiraled me into like, just full on, I was resentful at everything. Like I was resentful at the virus. I was resentful at clients. I was resentful at my husband. I was, thank you. I was resentful at, um, 
I mean, you name it. And I, I mean, everything. I was resentful at people that I saw walking outside alone by themselves and that had a mask on. I was so judgmental and I knew it. I would catch myself and I would be like, wow, that's, you're really spiritually sick. And I started to identify with that, but that also coincided with me not being able to fit into my pants anymore. So there was this direct relationship between my spiritual sickness and what I was doing with food. And it took me, I had to take one of the last photos that you saw there where I was um, wearing a tank top and there was kind of bushes behind me. I had to take a photo for my website and I looked at that photo and I knew it was like, it's not a bad picture of me. And I was so much rounder than I had been. And I, and it bothered me. And it was like, I knew that I, it's not a bad picture, but it just, it wasn't me. You know, I just felt like that's not me. And so that was June of 2021. And it took me about six months to become willing to come back. And it wasn't, um, what was interesting is it really wasn't a thing that I had to force. I just let myself come back when I was ready. And it was as easy as Friday. I, I said to myself, I go to a meeting tomorrow. And I actually, this was the first meeting that I came to was the 10 a.m. online meeting. And I found a sponsor that day. Like I just put into the chat, I need a sponsor. And I looked, when I looked, I looked for 90 meetings, the OE 90 meetings, but um, all I saw in this area were how meetings. And I knew that how was similar. And so I was willing. What I didn't know was how amazing the how steps are and how much they would change me and what I really discovered. And this is what I actually wanted to spend the time on the solution and talk about. I've noticed recently where I'm at now, when I came in, my focus solely and what I realized is that I had not been a really great partner with my higher power. I believed in a higher power. I knew that a higher power was working in my life, but I didn't know how to work with that power because I never allowed myself to be vulnerable and say what I needed and then have the courage to trust that the higher power is going to show up and work in my life. Even though I had seen it already change so many things for me, it just getting to those places where I had true vulnerability, which is, it shows up differently for me, but for me, it's really through money. And so I had this huge epiphany in January of 2022, as I was now like two months into how, and like, whoa, I'm a really bad partner with my higher power. I don't ask for what I need. How can my higher power show up and work for me if I'm not saying what I need? And um, so the last year and a half has really been me kind of working on my relationship with my higher power, being very vulnerable and saying what I need and being very honest about what I'm experiencing, even when I don't want to be experiencing that. I think that one of the things I've noticed, um, one of the fantasies I think that I've maybe entertained is that once we work on something that we kind of put it behind us and what I'm really coming through, it's through this program, the acceptance around it. We, we will dance with the same things for the rest of our lives. We do, we will dance with them. It's just how we dance becomes a little bit more skillful and that we might not dance in the same way. You know, we might remember sooner that, Oh, this is me not turning my will over. Um, and the other concept I really have been thinking about lately is how when we're working the steps, we really are with all of them at once, but we might be on a different roller. And so I 
have noticed step seven enables us to form a working relationship with our higher power through which we are relieved of the defects that have blocked our effectiveness in the world as we gain new humility and even greater freedom from our character defects god's power flows more surely and freely through us bringing healing to others as well as ourselves and drawing to us all the things we once fought so hard to attain self-esteem a feeling of usefulness joy strength to surmount difficulties fellowship and love our simple prayers humbly spoken are answered in wonderful ways as we open our lives to God's transforming power. And we find that once again, God does for us what we could never do for ourselves. And I really love that because that is actually where I'm at. I'm still at that place of humbly offering my life to God so that God can do for me what I could not have done for myself. And, um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being at step seven right now and um, know that I probably will dance back at this step in the future as well. So um, thank you so much for letting me be here. It was wonderful to be here and see familiar faces. And um, yeah, thank you. <laughs>